Cool? All right. Um, now, I, those of you that always come to first uh, service, I forgot to mention to you something last week, and I mentioned it to the second service, and that was that we were going to have a really big, huge announcement um, about a future ministry going on here at VFC. And so I, I'm super, super excited to share with you something that we're going to be doing this year at Victory Fellowship Church. I'm so pumped about this. Are you, are you guys, are you ready? You, okay. So let me just really quickly share the overall vision. I haven't talked a whole lot about this, um, but one of the things, y'all know that we're in a season of, of expansion. Uh, we have impacts going on. We'll be talking about that in a couple of months, and I'll, I will give you some, some good updates. But besides just wanting to build a sanctuary, we want to build a sanctuary where we can all go back to one service and then outgrow that and go back to two eventually. But I don't want to build a huge honking sanctuary. You know what I mean? Like a thousand-seater. I'm not interested in that. I want to comfortably seat around 500 people. And then what I want to do is I want to plant churches all around southwest Georgia. We want little VFCs everywhere. I'm talking about Camilla. I'm talking about Quitman. I'm talking about Monticello. I'm talking about all these areas nearby. And we're going to plant satellite churches and plant campuses with the DNA of VFC in them and release what God's doing here all in the region. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah? Okay. So this is pretty amazing. You know, uh, I guess I tend to drag my feet. The Lord has outrun me. Uh, and we are ready to plant. We're actually planting this month our first satellite church. All right? And, and I, I am excited to announce our first satellite church is in Pakistan. And you're like, Pakistan, Georgia? No. Pakistan is in Pakistan, the country, okay? Now, this is, and if your mind is like, what? Me too. Me too. Let me explain what's been going on. Now, many of you, many of you guys know this, but a, a couple years ago, a year and a half ago, I developed a relationship with a minister, a Christian minister in Pakistan. And he said, can we, um, do you have any, any sermons? And I was like, Will, put some sermons on YouTube. And then I didn't think anything about it. And this pastor was like, um, glory to God, you know, people are getting saved in Pakistan. I'm like, yay, Jesus, that's awesome. You know, I didn't know the guy. I'm like, that's great. And he kept giving me all these salvation figures. I'm like, that's wonderful. And then finally one day he said, he said, Pastor, using your sermon, 800 people have gotten saved. I'm like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. My sermon? He said, yeah, that's why I asked for your sermon. We translated it into Urdu. I'm like, which sermon was it? I, didn't, I just told Will to put a sermon on, on, online. And he put several, and I guess they looked at him, and it's called Love's Balancing Act. It's where I shared about Jesus was the fullness of grace and truth. And so he's like, yeah, and he sent me this picture. And so they took, they took one of the sermons from VFC, translated it into Urdu, okay? And then they go into the indigenous um, rural areas of Pakistan outside of the cities. This is in the upper um, northeast area of Pakistan. I can't tell you well where because this is, you know, being uh, recorded. But it's, it's, it's in all these rural areas, there is a team this guy is sending out, and they're using your sermons, you, VFC, your sermons um, to preach the gospel, and people are coming to Jesus in droves using VFC. Isn't that amazing? And so I was like, really? Okay, well, what do you need? 
He was like, well, I mean, I, we could use Bibles for the new converts. So, and, and see here, I'm, I'm a little cautious, you guys. I don't, I'm like, you're not getting my social security number. Um, you're not, you know, I mean, I'm like, you know, the, the, you know I, I, I just, I, I want to be a good steward. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this dude a hundred bucks, see what he does with it. And so he sends me pictures back of pe- giving people Bibles in, in their language. And I'm like, this guy's for real. Um, now, now, many of you know, uh, he and his wife, Rachel, actually came last year. How many of you saw him when, when he came? Yeah. And they're like fireballs. It was awesome. It was awesome. And so, so I was trying to figure out, okay, so what's next? And, and he talked to me, and he goes, look, we are, at this point, we've had over 3,000 people saved through the ministry of VFC in Pakistan. Isn't that crazy? Think about, think about 3,000 people. Visualize. Imagine that. 3,000 people. So he says, we need to plant a church in this area. And he says, and here's the thing. He goes, they know VFC because the beginning of the sermon has our logo, Victory Fellowship Church and music and that kind of stuff. And it ends that way. Uh, and, and so he's like, we want to plant VFC in Pakistan. And I'm just like, wait, what? I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. And so I've been talking with the elders, been talking with, with the leadership here at the church, been talking with people who, who do overseas ministry, especially in the Middle East, and they're all ecstatic and excited about what's happening. Um, and so he found a building. And so here's a building. Now, he says 200 feet people can fit in here, and y'all are like, give me my room. It's just, we just got our independent culture, right? Uh, and this isn't the whole building. It, you know, it, you can... I don't know how far he is in, but this is a building, um, and they, they want to rent this. It's, it's cheap. It's 300 bucks a month, which is very, very cheap uh, for us because, you know, the, the, the exchange rate. And so we've been praying about this. We've been talking about this. We're going to supply. We're going to launch VFC Pakistan. That's the new sanctuary. Okay? We're going to be giving them all of our curriculum, our 101, 102, 103. We're going to be giving them FaceTime lessons. They're going to have access to all of our sermons so they can translate more. And isn't this amazing? Isn't this crazy? So, so uh, I'm excited. So it's actually starting uh, this January. They're going to, to get, the, get the building. And we are now Victory Fellowship Church International, I guess. I, I don't know, but it's, yeah. How cool is this? I'm praying about going over there, and I'd be lying if I said that wasn't a stretch. <laughs> I like my neck where it is, and I've seen the news, but, um, but if God calls me there, I know he'll protect me, and it's all going to go well. So I'm, I'm real excited. Let's pray for Pakistan right now. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that you're moving. You're moving all over the world. Lord, how amazing is it that you've chosen us sovereignly? This was you, not me. You've chosen us, VFC, to be a light in, quite honestly, the darkest parts of the world. And so, Father, we are just just so joyful, so just floored that you would honor us in this way, that we could share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who need to hear it. And, Lord, we pray for Pastor John, Pastor Rachel. We pray for uh, the, the leaders, Pastor Youssef, um, that's going to head up the church and uh, the team that goes out there and has been preaching and, 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 and much, much to their own danger has been preaching the gospel of Jesus. And we bless them. We say, Lord, bring even more souls into the kingdom and give us wisdom as we begin this partnership. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Um, Pastor John and his wife, Pastor Rachel, are going to be here in a couple of weeks. Okay. Now I can't get the guy to come on Sundays uh, because uh, the, the 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 plane the, the the deal was if you can get to the United States, I can get you to Tallahassee. That was our deal. So he got to the United States, but the the only time he could come is Monday. So write this date down. Okay. Monday the fifth. Monday the fifth. Okay, uh, they're going to be here and they're going to present to us. They're going to give us even more information. He wants to preach. He's like, man, I want to preach. I said, I know you want to preach, but we're saved. Okay, what we want to know is what we want to know is about what God's doing in Pakistan and, and what what you're beginning uh, here with VFC. So we're super super excited about this. If you can circle that date, um, we'll meet at six thirty. Um, meet at 6.30 like we normally do on, on school nights. Meet at 6.30. It'll probably go till 8 is my guess. Uh, I don't know about child care. I don't know about any, There's a lot I don't know about this. Not just this meeting, but Pakistan in general. But we're figuring it out, and we're not going to let it stop us from doing what God's called us to do. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, cool. So we're talking about full of it. Full of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're still full of it. You were full of it last week. You're full of it today. Some of you enjoyed that a little too much. Last week we learned that we are all full of something. We're all full of something. Uh, We talked about the process of filling up. That what you feed on determines what you're full of. Uh, And in this series we're going to look at some different things that I want you to consider being full of this 2018, this year. Um. I want you to be full of vision. That's what we're talking about this week, full of vision. Now, I want to share a couple of things that I'll define vision. We'll talk about this in a minute. But, but I want you to be full of vision because the personal vision that you and God have jointly established or lack of vision will determine the direction of your life. Do you hear that? The vision... That you and God have jointly established, that you and God have figured out together, this vision or lack of vision will determine the direction in your life. Furthermore, I want you to know this, that your faithfulness to that vision will determine your contentment in life. So you get the vision from the Lord, not just you, it's got to be from him. You get the vision from him, right? And then uh, you, you, that's going to determine the direction, your attitude, your, your thoughts, your actions. And your faithfulness to that vision is going to determine how content you are. Some of you are very discontent. And it's because either you have no vision or you're not following the vision that God has called you to. So we want to talk about this. We want to be full of vision. Now, what is vision? Think of vision... As a title to the book of your life. If that's a little overwhelming to say, well, I can't think of a title for my entire life. He likes cheeseburgers. You know, maybe that would be the, the title to your book. Okay, maybe, maybe that's a little overwhelming. Well, what's the title of your chapter right now? The season that you're in. That's your vision. That's your vision. Your vision an- answers the question, what is my point? What's my point? You're here, you didn't ask to be born here, you had nothing to do with your conception. You're here, and and now God has placed a calling, a destiny, and a purpose in you, and your vision is going to answer that question, what is my point? Why am I here? Who am I called to be? What am I called to do? 
Now, a vision is not a goal. A vision is not a goal. A goal is an activity that you aspire to do. A goal is something that you want to happen. I want to wake up and get to church on time. That's a goal. All right? It's a good goal, by the way. That's a goal. But that's not your vision. Your vision is, I want to fill myself with all the fullness of God at every opportunity. Right? That's a vision. But the vision will employ goals, like getting to church on time, In order to achieve it. Are you with me? So a vision is the point, the big picture, while you will utilize goals to achieve that vision. So this is cool. You know that Jesus had a personal vision? He did. Jesus actually stood up in church and read from the book of Isaiah and said, this is what I'm here to do. Let me read this to you. It's Luke chapter 4, 17 through 21. It says this, I'm reading the New King James Version. It says, Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to, here we go, here's the vision, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The year is not acceptable. You are acceptable. That's what that means. Every year is acceptable to God, but it's saying you are now, in light of the cross of Christ, acceptable to God. He has now given you the opportunity to walk in Jesus' righteousness. Verse 20, then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And all eyes, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue, were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So the dude gets up in the middle of church, he finds the spot, what they would do in in the synagogue is they would find the scrolls, right, then they'd read during a certain, during the scripture reading, they'd read during a certain part, and they would just pick up where they last uh, left off. Well, Jesus, it says, actually, he he opened the book and found the place, he he left the order of what they were supposed to do. Jesus is going to mess with church orders sometimes, you guys, and it's okay. If we get off track and the Lord starts moving, we're going to go with it. Because it's what Jesus did when he was on the earth as well. So he goes and he finds the spot in the book of Isaiah that he wanted to read. It's Isaiah 61, if you want to look it up. And he reads it, hands it back, and he goes, that's talking about me. (laughs) That's quite a gutsy move, isn't it? This was Jesus' personal vision. This was the vision for his life. This is what, there were many things that Jesus didn't do during his ministry on earth. Um, and the things that he did do were, were in line with his personal vision. Now the Apostle Paul had a personal vision as well. We can read about that in Galatians chapter 1. Check this out. Galatians chapter 1. We're going to read 14 through 16. He says, I advanced in in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through grace, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. He keeps going. What's he saying? He's like, look, my job, my personal vision is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the Gentiles. Now, have you ever thought of this? See, you got to be careful when you're thinking about your vision. It's not always what you think is going to happen. 
Have you ever thought about this? The Apostle Paul, a Jew among Jews, I mean, he, in, in one part of Scripture, he gives his whole pedigree, and it's crazy. Like, he is like, like the golden boy for Judaism, okay? God sent that guy with all the doctorates and all the, all the education. He sent him to the uneducated people, the Gentiles. Who did God send to the educated people? Peter, the fisherman. See, I, I'm, I, now, see, here's the deal. When I'm looking for leaders in church, I'm telling you, that, that kind of messes with me. I would think, okay, well, cool. Well, here's a man who's really learned. He knows the scriptures. He's set under a, a really well-known uh, um, uh, Jewish uh, teacher, rabbi. So we're going to send that guy to the Jews because he can really prove the scriptures correctly. And Peter's a little rough around the edges. He doesn't know when to shut up. He's always talking. He's kind of gruff, rough fisherman, right? We're going to send him to the Gentiles. That's not what God did. He did the opposite. Isn't that hilarious? And so your personal vision, see, don't think that you're disqualified. If you've got a vision brewing in your heart, well, but yeah, see, I don't know this. I'm not that. I didn't come from this family. Evidently, God doesn't care. And these two guys, Jesus, the the, the Savior of the world, and the Apostle Paul, who was responsible for two-thirds of the New Testament, and the fact that you are now sitting in a church had everything to do with the Apostle Paul Preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. He didn't go further east. He went, he went west into Europe. The fact, and then we were you know, colonized. And so the fact that the, that the majority of the United States is, are Christians has everything to do with the Apostle Paul. Amen. And so these guys had a personal vision. You need a personal vision as well. You need a personal vision as well. Why? Well, here's the first reason. It, it gives you purpose. It gives you purpose. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we're going to talk about purpose in two weeks. The, the last message in this series, full of vision, I'm sorry, uh, full of it, is going to be uh, full of purpose. And we're going to talk about that then. But, but I want to show you John chapter 6, uh, verse 38, um, is, is Jesus talking And he says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, look, the reason I'm here is not for me, but it's to do what God has called me to do. When you have a personal vision for your life and you're walking in that, you won't be all about yourself. And I tell you, the most contented people on the face of the planet are those who live beyond themselves. Happy people don't live for themselves. Happy people live beyond themselves. Happy people aren't always trying to get the latest and greatest and make sure that everyone knows about it. Happy people don't get envious and jealous every time someone else has something good happen to them. Right? Happy people are those who are not distracted from the vision that God has given them for this life. And that was Jesus. Jesus walked in this. Jesus had every right as the Son of God. A legion of angels. At one point he says, hey, I could call down a bunch of angels. I could stop all this mess going on, but I'm not going to. Why? Because I'm here to fulfill the will of God. I'm here to fulfill the vision that he and I have have, have discovered together. And I'm not going to be moved. Life without purpose brings frustration. It brings frustration. So many of us, we look to other things to bring about our purpose. Don't raise your hand, but has anyone 
ever worked a job or currently working a job that they just hate? I said, don't raise your hand. Eric, don't raise your hand. (laughs) Why? Why do you hate that? Could it be that possibly you're placing your purpose on your job? And when it doesn't fulfill that purpose, which it never will, unless it, unless your calling and your career intersect, for the majority of people, you'll have a tent-making job. You'll have something that the Lord will give you that will help pay your bills, and it'll be good. I'm not saying you should hate your job, but I'm saying you should not find or attempt to find your purpose in your job. And many of you are so discontented with where you work because you're putting too much pressure on what the job should do for you. Your purpose should be found in who you are in Christ. Your vision should be about giving out to other people. How can I serve others? Not how can this job serve me? And so, so many times, you know, we're, we're, instead of looking to our vision to give us purpose, we're looking for a person. You know, your spouse, those of you that are married, your spouse is not supposed to be the one that makes you content. If you're looking to your spouse to, to make you happy in life, uh, it's just a matter of time before they let you down. Why? Because they're just people. And you love them and you want to be with them, but they, they weren't created to bear the burden of your happiness. Those of you with children... Sometimes parents put the burden of their own happiness and purpose and contentment on their children. It's too much pressure for your child. You need to take that off of them. Put it back on the one who can bear the weight, and that's Jesus. Your purpose is not found in, in, in your child. It's not found in your spouse. It's not found in your job. It's, it's not found in any of those things. It's, it's found in the vision that you and Jesus have created together. Amen? That's your purpose. That's your purpose. The, the vision of this church is on the wall over there, belong, believe, become. That's our vision. Our vision is to create a place where people belong first. We train them in what to believe, and we disciple them to become who God's called them to be. That's our vision. We don't do anything that's not a part of the vision. Now, there are many churches in this area, and they're all great churches. And they do some things that we don't do. And sometimes I'm thinking, we need to do something like that too. But that's our vision. The purpose of VFC is found in the vision of VFC. And if we begin to compare and contrast and, and say, well, you know, this church does this and ju- this church does this, we're going we're gonna to lose our purpose because we're not, we're not um, uh, clinging to our vision. Does that make sense? And so it's the same, it's the same with, with you. Your personal vision... Your personal vision is what's going to guide you in this life. And when you look at someone else and they're doing this or they're doing that, instead of thinking, well, I don't think they should. No, you do what God's called you to do. Let God call them, let God let the, you know, show them how to do what he's called them, what, what he's called them to do. So here's the other thing about a, pers- uh, about a personal vision. Not only does it, give you, does it give you purpose, it also keeps you on track. Now, I really want you to get this. I really want you to get this. There's this awesome scripture. You've probably heard it before. It's Proverbs chapter 29. And I really want to kind of look at it here in detail for a moment. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. I'm reading in the New King James Version. It says, where there is no revelation. Now, 
if you look this up in Greek, most translations say vision. Some translations say prophetic vision, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So I like, I like prophetic vision, so I'm going to substitute that here, okay? So where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. People cast off restraint. Now, you may have heard where there is no vision, the people perish, okay? The word perish is not a very good translation of that. You're going to find that in the King James Version. A much better version, a much better translation is, is cast off restraint. The New Living Translation says the people run wild, Okay, they run wild. Some of you've had your run wild days, haven't you? Well, if you think about it, why? Well, either your vision was to run wild or you had no vision. You know, when I talk with young people and their lives are falling apart and they don't understand why why things aren't working out for them, it's because they have no vision. Your vision keeps you on track. It says where there's no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Now, prophetic vision, prophetic, don't, don't let that freak you out like, ooh, prophetic. Okay, all prophetic means is the word of God. So it's not your own personal vision for your life, it's God's personal vision for your life, right? That's, that's what it means by prophetic vision. If you don't have one of these, you're going to cast off restraint. Let me give you a really easy example. Let's say you feel God is calling you to be a nurse. Now, I'm using a vocation, but your vision is not always your vocation. It's not always your career. But say God is calling you to be a nurse. God is calling you to help heal people, both spiritually and physically, at the same time. And you're going to go bring the kingdom onto that nursing floor of the hospital, right? We need that, don't we? Okay, well, then you're going to need to go to school. And I know people who have gone through nursing school, and it's difficult, isn't it? It's not the easiest thing in the world. And so, say it's Thursday night, you've got a huge test the next Friday morning. Big test, it's going to really help you in nursing school. And, and some of your friends are in town, they say, hey, let's go hang out. All right, well, what does the vision say? The vision says, God has called me to be a nurse, and I need to do well on this test, right? And so you just look at your vision, and your decision becomes really easy. I'm sorry, I can't do that tonight. When you're tempted with sin, when you're tempted to do something, you know God's not called you to be someone God's not called you to be. If you have a personal vision in in place, and you are given a potential decision to make, and you're trying to make that decision, the vision makes the decision. And you look at the vision, you're like, no, I want to do this. I want to be this. I am called to be this way, so therefore I can't do that thing. Or I must do this thing. Does that make sense? The vision makes the decision. It keeps you on track. Decision making becomes really, really easy when you have a prophetic vision in your life. So the key, if you're making bad decisions, you probably don't have a personal vision. If you will get a personal vision and stick with that personal vision, it will keep you on track and you won't make those bad decisions. Without a vision, you're going to follow the crowd. Without a vision, you're going to do what everyone else does. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Let me just talk about this. This verse has been used to talk about going to heaven or hell. It's not what this verse is talking about. How can I say that? Because of biblical context. You read what's before it. You read what's after it. None of it's about heaven and hell. It's all about how you treat people. Right before this verse is, is, uh, uh, is uh, do unto others, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Then this verse that we just read 
Um, and, and then he's talking about you can know false prophets by whether or not they treat others well. So this is all about how, how the decisions that you make and how you live your life. This is not about heaven and hell. Now, later on in Luke, there's another scripture where he talks about a narrow way. That one is about heaven and hell. But not this one in Matthew, okay? This is not, this is not talking about the destination, the eternal destination. It's talking about whether or not your life is going to be a life of destruction or a life filled with abundant life. See, here's the problem. We all know Christians, and maybe you are or have been one, that you know that Jesus is is your Lord and Savior, but you still are reaping a life of destruction because of the choices that you've made. Right? And so what the Scripture is saying, look, if you will have a prophetic vision, if you don't have one, you're going to go down that wide road like everyone else. The The New Living Translation actually translates this, the highway to hell. ACDC would be proud. I'm thinking, were they like, I'm on the highway to hell. Like they're in, the, they're in their translation you know, room and they're like going over the Greek. And one guy's like, I know a song. <laughs> I was like, what do you, like you put ACDC lyrics in the Bible. That's kind of odd. But anyway, <laughs> kind of weird. But, but this, is, this is talking about that your prophetic vision will keep you on track. It will keep you on task. Because if you don't have one, you're going to go through the wide, the wide road. That's where everyone else is. And it doesn't lead to life. It's painful. It's painful. So really quickly, how do I determine my vision for my life? How can I tell what my vision should be? How do I know if I'm on the right track here? Well, let me ask you a couple questions in order to answer that. First of all, what are your dreams and what are your frustrations? What are your dreams and what are your frustrations? See, many times what we need to do is to, is to reverse engineer our dreams. In other words, where, what, the place where you want to be in life, what does that look like? Okay, now reverse engineer that, deconstruct that until you figure out how to get there. When I was in the business world for about 13, 14 years, I found a couple of mentors that, that were doing what I wanted to do until the Lord called me into full-time ministry. And I called them and I said, you have the business acumen, the, 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 the way of doing things that I want to have. Teach me, mentor me. And I began to have relationships with these people. And, and because I said, look, my dream is to have success like you do, so let me reverse engineer what you've done and then apply it to my life. Does that make sense? So often what your dreams are, what your dreams are, um, are going to be uh, a, a symbol or at least a guiding light towards what your vision is. So many people think, well, I've got to deny my dreams because I'm following Christ. What if he put those in your heart? Now, if your dream is like to sin, then that's not God. But come on, what, what, what you would love to do, think about it this way. Here's the other question. What are, what are your frustrations? Oftentimes, you can tell what God has created you to do by what annoys you. Perhaps those things that annoy you, God has put that in there for you to fix. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not talking about a person. It's my personal vision to make you act right. No. But God may have created you, empowered by him, to fix that problem. Look at, look at Psalm 37, 
Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. This is really cool. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't say the desires of his heart. Does it? It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, the desires of your heart won't be to sin. So you can't, well, the desires of my heart are to be famous and spend a bunch of money on myself and treat other people like dirt. Okay, well, then you're not delighting yourself in the Lord. Okay, but if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Next verse says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Commit yourself to him, commit yourself, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things Will, will be given unto you, right? And, and so, so what are your dreams? What are your frustrations? What bothers you? You know, I'll, I'll be honest. Y'all probably going to think I'm a horrible person. I, I see those like, like the, the, the dog, the sad dogs on TV. I will remember you. And I'm like, click. I don't, I don't care. I like my dog. Don't really care about yours. Uh, that's just me. That's just me, okay? It doesn't mean like I don't want like puppies tortured. I mean, I'm not a monster. I'm just saying like that doesn't pull my heartstrings. But someone who's lost and, and, and dying and, and someone who, who, who doesn't know the real Jesus who's been blinded by religion, who's been turned off by the over-politization of the church and, and has rejected a false Jesus... Man, those people, man, they matter to me. I get all jazzed up about that, okay? I get, like, excited about that. And in my head is, I will remember you. Because that's what matters to me. That's what matters to me. When people, when, you know what frustrates me? When people uh, act like God does bad things in order to get our attention, that makes me so mad, right? And, and I want to defend that because that's, what, that's my frustration. And so God has called me to study the word and be able to effectively communicate the heart of God in that situation. So you see how this works? So what your dreams are, what your frustrations will often lead you to what your vision is. Let me read you this last verse. This is Habakkuk. You've, this is the write down the vision. So... He who runs may read it. I want, to, I want to show it to you in the message version. I love the way I'm going to have it up on the screen for you. It says this. Write this. Write what you see. Write it in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. What does that mean? It means you don't just write a vision and do nothing. You write a vision and you start running. And, you, and, and you're running and you're running. And you're like, okay, so here's my, okay, I got to turn right because my vision says turn right. But you're still running. Right? Does that, does that make sense? So, so it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. But you got to write the vision first. I'm going to call the ushers up. The ushers for you this morning. We've made cards. And... On one side of the card, it says, my vision for 2018. And it has this verse on it. And it's, it's got blank lines. And we don't have time to do it this morning. But, but when you get home, if you're married, get with your spouse. And you pray, what's my vision for 2018? What, what's my vision? On the back side of the card is, what's my vision for the next five years? 
What is God calling me? I know it can be a little, it can be a little daunting to like declare your vision over your entire life. I don't even know that I know that myself either. But, but, but you can figure out what God has for you this year. You can figure out what God has for you over the next five years, right? So here's my assignment. Here's my assignment to you. Take this card. Take some time. Don't do it while the TV's on. Don't do it stopped at a red light. Take some time and pray and say, Lord, what is your vision for my life in 2018? And flip it over. What is your vision for my life in the next five years? Write the vision. Now, you don't have to write it in big block letters. But here's what I want you to do. Once you write that vision, and and you don't have to get it all in one sitting. If you want to revisit it, okay? But once you're comfortable, yeah, this is what God's called me to do. Write underneath it some goals that will achieve the vision. Are you with me? I want to know that I am called, my vision is to be someone who who can declare the truth of the word of God to someone else in truth and grace. Okay, cool. So what does that mean? What's your goal? Maybe you need to read the Bible some. Maybe you need to to go through a course or something, right? So that would be the goal that would bring about the vision. Do you see? But, But the first step is to write down the vision so that you can run and still read it. We made it small on purpose. You can probably fold this thing up, put it in a billfold, put it in a purse, put it on a refrigerator, put it on the mirror in your bathroom. And then once you're done with 2018, flip it over and there's the five-year. Okay? Does that sound good? Here's my question to you. Are you full of vision? If you're not, you're just going to do what everyone else does. You're going to be on that wide road. And, it's, and it's, it's a path that leads to destruction. It's not, it's not good. It's, it's not what you really want. Are you full of vision? Come on, let's stand. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to each person right now. Lord, as they commit to set a vision for this year, 2018, as they commit to set a vision or visions for the next five years, I want to be the best parent I can be, the the most loving spouse I can be. I want want to know the word better in five years than I do now. I want to know the word better in a year than I do right now. I want to find, I want to lead someone to Christ in 2018. I'm an evangelist. That's what God's called me to be. Write that down then. But, but, Lord, show us who we are. Show us what our vision is for this year and these next five years. Lord, I just pray that you would make it easy. Lord, as the people in faith take some time out and pray about this, would you guide them in what to write down? And, Lord, as they keep it, wherever they decide to keep it and post it, Lord, would you remind them to stay in tune, in line, on track with this vision? Guys, if you will, I want to lead you in a prayer. Just just pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive your vision for my life. I open my ears to hear it. I will write it down. And I pray that by your grace, I will walk it out. Help me and speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome.